Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And this is Art Blog Radio. Today, we're talking with Amzie Emmons at his studio, uh, which is at 12th and Carpenter. We first met Amzie Emmons a few years back at Art for the Cash Poor, an annual art fair for artists run by Inliquid.com. Emmons's prints and drawings are streetscapes of urban decay, migration, and dystopia. And we watched in amazement as a steady stream of customers plunked down over the prints. We'd never seen art sell that fast before. Right now, he has an installation called Refugee Reading Room at Space 1026 in Philadelphia. And we're talking to him in February 2011. The installation is a ramshackle urban newsstand displaying free zines and prints from a whole bunch of artists. Uh, how many artists were in that exhibit or are in that exhibit? Probably 40 or 50. I'm not sure all of them would refer to themselves as artists, but I probably would. Um, uh, visual artists, printers, cartoonists, uh, painters, illustrators, and a number of small press publications. Did you put out a call for them, or were they people you invited? I invited. Having sort of produced events or curated shows before, I figured I would invite um, about 50% more people than I thought would actually say yes, and about 99% of the people said yes. Oh, so. that great? That's <laughs> so great. It was like totally fantastic. Initial impulse uh, in, in organizing the show was that, you know, it had been kind of a really rough fall and the year before that with the economy. And I just, it seemed like there was room for a kind of generosity project. And a lot of the work was for free. All of the work. All of the work was for free. Yeah. So um, people were very generous. They yeah, gave um, you lots of stuff. That was the surprising thing because when I wrote to the, the artists involved, I, I simply said, you know, we don't have the means to organize a, a sale where someone would have to maintain a, a a cash drawer and you know, so everything is just being given away how long is it up until it'll be up through february 25th and are you restocking because we saw a lot of things being pulled and yeah in i pockets. should have taken before and after pictures because at the end of the night it looked like you know walmart on black friday i mean it was just cleared <laughs> out uh but yes um myself and people from space will be restocking um at least once a week if not more often and what did you put in the show I didn't, I didn't have time to make anything, <laughs> which is uh, kind of typical for me. I, I ended up spending uh, an inordinate amount of time kind of organizing. Probably about a third of the people who participated were local, but the other two-thirds were from all over the country uh, and, and abroad. This 3D installation is very much in keeping, it seems to me, with the subject matter of your, of your drawings and prints. Yeah, well, I think... Um, the, the kind of kernel at the center of it is I'm very interested in the politics of architecture, uh, the way built environments kind of inform uh, the way people move through them, uh, points of access, um, denial of access. Uh, specifically for the last, I guess, five or six years, I've been kind of zeroed in on, on refugee architecture, on the type of structures that people build or hack um, the type of communities that sprout up when people are displaced. Interesting ways uh, that new buildings and environments can sort of appear in spite of uh, hardship or displacement, that kind of thing. Um, I'm intrigued by your colors, which are always gorgeous. The subject matter is the urban displacement of people. That's a really raw kind of subject matter, but the colors you use are 
very pleasing, very beautiful, mm -hmm. and a lot of times very bleached out and pastel. Mm -hmm. So how did you arrive at that combination? Um, my background is in painting. Uh, I worked with uh, you know different figure painters and plein air painters when I was younger, uh, and then essentially walked away from color for a number of years and focused on printmaking. Um, and then when I came back to really focus on sort of painting and drawing, I was really excited to reintroduce color. Um, a lot of the colors that I use, you know, they're not specific to what the subject matter is. Um, and so they tend to be sampled from everyday life. You know, I may decide that I'm going to, you know, spend an afternoon in Target and all the colors will sort of have to come from, you know, their fall collection. Other times... Target. Oh yeah. Um, Where else? Walmart. Uh, Do you ever go to Walmart? Well, I, I, I don't think I'm specifically interested in like uh, you know commercial colors, but in a kind of pop model, I'm definitely interested in sort of sampling color from everyday life. So I may see something on my walk to the, the studio that is like, well, I, I want to try and start with that color and then respond to it. Um, to some extent, the work, the subject matter can be a little heavy at times. I'm not trying to be didactic with the work. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm also aware that, uh, you know, you have to kind of give your audience something that's sort of beautiful to look at in order to get them to kind of linger on something they might not spend time thinking about. And I think I use color sort of tactically in that way to, to create a sort of contradiction between the subject matter and the kind of formal qualities of the image. And where do you get your subject matter from? I mean, is it is the city part of it, or do you have other sources? Uh, I think uh, definitely the city is part of it. It's it's a kind of um, you know research process that has uh, really kind of grown over the years. Uh, when I first moved to um, the kind of greater Philadelphia area, as happens often when I move, you start out kind of displaced from where you are, and it takes a while to kind of uh, develop a sense of of location and community, and so I, um, in order to start making work again, I started a um, a kind of documentary project where I was just using clippings from the Sunday Times as a kind of prompt. I would sample something from a clipping every week to start a drawing, and maybe it was a skyline, maybe it was a bucket, you know, in the background. Uh, but over the years, I've sort of mixed in more and more kind of street photography that I've taken either traveling or just walking around the city. You know, engaging in a sort of like situationalist, uh, like, you know, I just bring the camera and go for a walk, take a lot of pictures, and then that'll be also a kind of starting point. And I've, be, I've become very interested in sort of uh, putting images that I kind of find walking around Philadelphia in conversation with images that are, you know, trafficking in the media of, of like from Afghanistan or Iraq or, or places where, where people are being kind of noticeably displaced and to try and sort of invent and build uh, a new space where the distance between those places is, is sort of collapsed. Um, so you could see, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I recognize that from some part of Philadelphia, but then the skyline is totally, you know, un, unfamiliar, but vaguely familiar maybe in some ways. And there were no people in them. No. Um, I, I, I spent a long time sort of training to become a figure painter, in order to kind of get at what I was interested in about figure painting, which was a kind of immediate conversation with the audience in a very physical way, um, I sort of needed to get away from that. So you go back and forth between drawings and printmaking. Yeah. Um, I conceptualize it a little bit 
differently and a little less centered around media. I'm interested in uh, the research uh, that generates the images, uh, the kind of collecting of clippings and uh, a lot of reading and, and, and that sort of stuff. It'll be a print if I'm near an etching plate. Uh, if paper's handy, it'll be a drawing. If there's you know a stretched canvas or something nearby, then it'll kind of be a painting. In some ways, I'm kind of a material junkie, and I think each media offers a really distinct vocabulary. Um, trying to sneak print language into the paintings and drawings, and trying to make the drawings, uh, you know, more painterly, and and the prints kind of confusing to look at. How about photography and video? Ever done any of that? It would seem like your subject, perhaps, would lend itself to it. Yeah, well, I. I constantly carry a camera you know it's like I always have a camera and a sketchbook pretty handy um, but I uh, I'm very specific about how I use photographs I usually um, dump the color immediately we were talking about color earlier I'm very interested in not being overly influenced by the local color of a place that I might have taken a picture from I, my source material which there's a huge pile of over there is just really kind of crappy black and white laser prints um, and usually that's all I all I really want to respond to. And so wait a minute, you run the f the photos that you take through Photoshop, and you put them all in grayscale to um, get rid of the colors. Yeah, that what usually. Ah. So you're working from your own internalized palette, then. Yeah, um, primarily what I'm interested in, kind of extracting from the photographs, is a kind of line drawing, and the images really uh, operate as collage. Like there's. Very, it's very rare that a photograph or a clipping will have a kind of one-to-one -one relationship to a final painting or drawing. Um, I might take a little piece from one and a little piece from another. I find that, that really nice photographs that are printed out, like I don't need to do anything with them. It's sort of the end of a conversation. And for the way I work, uh, things only begin to make sense when I put them into a kind of drawing process. Like I, I sort of use drawing as a way of sort of understanding all of this kind of stuff that I bring into my studio. I guess in some ways it's like a racing. You know, I start out with a lot of information in a photograph and then reduce it and then reduce it and then eventually it becomes a kind of line drawing and then that gets collaged with a bunch of other kind of line drawings to create an entirely new space um, that doesn't actually exist anywhere. Uh, you can make a drawing of an image uh, and it'll, it has an inherently autographic nature to it. It speaks about um, the hand of the artist, essentially. Uh, but if you took that same drawing and you photocopied it and then photocopied the photocopy and photocopied the photocopy, it would be removed from the hand of the artist. But by sort of removing myself a little bit uh, and kind of hiding behind this, this sort of print language, uh, that when people look at it, whether they're aware of it or not, it makes these kind of signifying reference points to, to popular culture and visual culture. On another subject, can you tell us about your name? It's very unusual. Uh, my first name's Amzee, A-M-Z-E, and it's uh, a family name. My great-grandfather's name was James Amzee Emmons, and so that's where it came from. I've been told that it has a kind of vaguely Middle Eastern origin, um, and that I've been told that that's absolutely not true, you know? Um, <laughs> it is my name. <laughs> it's the only one I have, so I'm sticking with it. Uh, it's one of those things where it takes a while for people to sort of get it right, either pronouncing it or, or writing it, but, uh, but it's hard to forget sort of once you have it. But I've been yeah, called all kinds of versions of that, uh, Amze, Nancy, 
Amze. You know, it's like everyone, it's a great name for people to kind of act out their, you know, verbal dyslexia in some way. <laughs> well, we've been talking to Amze Emmons, and thank you for, for talking to Online oh, thank Radio. You. Thank you guys so much for coming. I totally appreciate it. Art Blog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation and Fleischer Art Memorial. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And Eric Biondo, who provided the music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.